Welcome back to Three Decades of Tragedy, History of the Thirty Years' War. I'm sorry for the delay, but I had to move, and then I had computer issues. That took a week or so, but so we should be back to normal now. And I just want to thank you for your patience. So last time, I covered Oxenstierna trying to stabilize the army situation, which resulted in a mutiny that forced him to give lands to officers that had been held for more cautious or for other use. So the Swedish long-term plans were disrupted, although it did stabilize the short-term stuff involving the Swedes in the aftermath of Gustavus's death. With that covered, let's get started. With Horn and Bernhard not starting operations till July 1633, the balance had shifted away from Sweden for the moment. For this, we are going to have to look back a bit to the western part of Germany. France had been subtly removing Sweden as a potential issue in the Rhineland for the country ever since mines had been captured in 1631. France had kept Sweden involved in the war, so unable to really focus on the western side of the empire, as they were more focused on the southern part into Austria and some parts of the west and east, but they were not really focused to the west and to France. With a smaller force in the west, it was easier for France to act as a protector and to keep a greater influence in the Rhineland. France had been covertly assisting the Dutch and protecting German Catholics and dealing with Lorraine, so and avoiding getting Spain involved in the war in Germany, so they were making moves to not be involved in the war, but make their own plays as the other sides were distracted. Sweden didn't notice it sharply, and the Catholic League viewed it with suspicion regarding their decision to reject France's help in 1632 as a good decision in the aftermath of the event I'm about to describe. France certainly knew they were going to clash with the Habsburgs eventually, but like I have shown before, they did not want to jump into the war, they just wanted to distract their enemies so they could make their own political maneuvers. Elector Sautern, leader of Trier, had made an alliance with France in 1632, which was not well received by the members of the church in the city, so they led in Spanish troops into their and Koblenz before the French arrived in April to May 1632. The commander of the fort at Philipsburg also defected to the emperor, denying the French an essential crossing into the upper Black Forest. The French supposedly had an army around 22,000 that were headed to Trier to eject the Spanish around May or so, joining up with the Swedes to capture the Einherrenbreitstein Fortress. I probably said that wrong, and I'm just not going to play that one. Which controlled the crossing at Koblenz. The French then captured Trier and Koblenz, but it briefly fell into the hands of the Spanish again when the French were distracted with the rain in Gaston, like earlier happened. But by August, we're firmly back in the hands of the French. The biggest significance of this podcast is the French troops were close to Swedish ones, and they even worked together, which made this look like it could evolve into a European war instead of just a Germanic-focused one, which many people feared. Which is a good reason if you've seen any of the major wars that tend to span entire regions, continents, etc. Those tend to be very destructive, which the 30s already has been, but... That will happen, spoiler alert, but for now it is a small conflict, although another event would cause another rise in tension. Frederick Henry, the leader of the Dutch Netherlands, hoped to spark a rebellion in the lower Spanish Netherlands due to the pressure from the burdens of war. The Spanish commander, Count Vandenberg, thought that the war could not be won at the moment, so he retreated to Liege, which was nominally neutral, but more on the side of the Catholics. With a column fainting at Antwerp to distract the enemy, Frederick Henry led 30,000 troops up the Meuse River, M-E-U-S-E, Muse, Muse? River, to attack Maastricht on June 8th, 1632. This threatened the neutrality of Frederick of Cologne, who is the current Bishop of Liege. 
This move was not an attack on the Empire explicitly, which I just want to say out of, aka the Thirty Years' War, but it would cut the supply lines and communication lines in the Spanish Netherlands, leaving them easier prey for the Dutch and potentially as a better negotiating tool when it eventually came to negotiation. The government of Brussels sent out a message to the Imperials asking for help, and Pappenheim advanced with 8,000 men to relieve the city for a reward of Spanish subsidies, which was desperately needed by the Catholics, or the Imperials. Interestingly, this war would actually drive a bigger wedge between the wars, as the Spanish had to pull out of Trier and recall their men from Lower Palatine to help solidify their support and forces in the region that was being attacked by the Dutch. Pappenheim also failed to break the siege lines by August 17th, meaning that no relief came for the city, and the city fell after the Dutch mined and exploded a section of the walls, and the defenders surrendered by August 23rd, which left places like Limburg voluntarily surrendering after a minor resistance by September 5th, and the remaining garrisons on the Lower Rhine and in Westphalia were basically cut off from the southern provinces of the Spanish Netherlands. The garrisons, by the way, were Spanish garrisons and towns, not Dutch ones. So the Dutch were in a good position, and while they were content to control the area, the Spanish would have a hard time beating them back as they did not have a good strategic position to do it. The event was bad enough that Isabella permitted the Netherlands states to gather again, although this would be the last time it would be done under the Spanish rule. Isabella favored peace and open negotiations by November, the estates having their own delegates being sent. Many were relieved to know that the war could end in northwestern Europe, although this got Richelieu worried, as a continuing war would help him out as he could make those people in those wars feel like they owed him. So he sent people to keep the Dutch from wanting to agree to peace, fortifying their resolve to keep fighting, or at least push for better terms. Frederick Henry continued to push defensively to get better terms from Isabella, taking 16,000 men along the Musée and Lower Rhine, capturing crossings and towns, leaving the Spanish holdings only limited to Zulich, Durin, and a few towns west of the Rhine. The Dutch shuffled around garrisons, but they concluded the campaign having solid control over a good chunk of the land around the area. The Catholic League then abandoned Lingen, which had been controlled since 1630, and the Dutch also withdrew their forces from Julich and Berg, as well as giving controlled lands in Mark to Brandenburg, bringing the forces closer to friendly territory. Overall, the area remains the closest place where the two wars approach each other, but there was a close separation between the two wars, as each side had different objectives, and in getting dragged into the other war would just be more damaging to their economy and exhausting. But that wasn't the only point of stress at least for France. France also got involved with Lorraine. So as we move closer to our current timeline, which is around 1634, Lorraine became an area of concern for France as they got news that Spain was sending an army to Alsace. Richelieu wanted to settle terms with Charles, the Duke of Lorraine, which we covered a couple episodes ago about, but he wanted to settle them on French terms, as he is wont to do, or as good terms as he could get. Charles had begun rebuilding his army to around 9,000 men by August 1632, which is something Richelieu wasn't happy about, as it kind of went against the whole weakening and control over him. But a small army meant he had enough to defend himself, but not enough to really be a threat, so Richelieu wanted to do something about that. The rebuilt army made Charles look like a source of security, and the Hathbergs even invited him to garrison Hagnau in Severn by December 1632. So Richelieu, seeing that and hearing that, engineered a break in the relationship by demanding Charles give up Barr to French jurisdiction, which he rejected, and France declared him a rebel, by, and France declared him a rebel in July 1633. It was really underhanded, but... It's not like the man was known for being upright and honorable. We had seen before he was willing to do unhanded tricks to get what he wanted, and if any of you guys seen the Three Musketeers, he was doing stuff to get more influence in the court. So he's not known for a man of 
honorable knighthood, so to speak. The French waited until he crossed into Alsace, headed to relieve the town of Hagnau, which was under siege by the Swedish, but the Swedish beat him in battle, that cost him 1,500 men, and sent him retreating. And now that Charles was weakened, the French army attacked, sending Marshal La Force with 30,000 men to occupied Bar, and he overran most of Lorraine, capturing the town of Nancy along with Charles's wife. Charles was able to avoid the French, retreating to French comps with a thousand men. His brother, Cardinal Nicolas Francois, agreed to French terms initially, but he and his wife managed to escape, him dressed as a valet and his wife dressed as a soldier, which seemed weird for his wife, but what works, works, I suppose. I get the valet, I just didn't get the wife dressing as a soldier, but I suppose disguising as a man would be easier to avoid attention. And there's plenty of mercenaries and soldiers around to draw attention away from you, or at least make you look like you're just a mercenary. Richelieu used the escape of all these people to take all of Lorraine by August 1634 and assert authority and influence on the surrounding lands, the Rhinelanders bowing to the new conditions he set by January 1634. So France got what they wanted with a little issue, all without getting dragged into the bigger war, which won't last for too, too much long in war terms, but they were not directly involved, they were still only financiers at best. It's also apparent that many other countries were wary of wanting to jump into the war, well, the Thirty Years' War, as Spain was in Germany, but they really weren't doing anything about it. They were sitting in the Lower Rhine sort of area, but not assisting unless the Swedes probably came close. So while all this is not directly tied to Sweden in the Thirty Years' War, it shows France was more in line with Sweden than anyone else in this war, and the Dutch. And understanding what was going on in Europe at this time is important for understanding what events that would come up in a few years. But for next week, we get back to Sweden and their German allies, the Battle of Heisek Ollendorf, and other things going on in the war. I want to thank you all for listening in, and I hope you are enjoying it. Social media links will be in the description box or on links themselves. Email me at 3decot at gmail.com. Reminder that our Patreon thanks those who support me. Interview and spread the word, and I'll see you guys next time.